One of the great joys of salvation in Christ is not only that we are forgiven of all of our sin for all of eternity, but that God comes to live in us and leads us and transforms us into the image of the person God created us to be. One of the ways God works to transform us is in a family of faith. One of the things that is missing from many people's lives is the connection and the responsibility to a family of faith. It is within a local church that that God provides not only the the, the means of preaching, not not only the means of fellowship, not only the means of worship and, and giving and serving, but that accountability in those relationships with people who care about you and love you enough to show you and to tell you the truth and come alongside and help you. Last week, we talked about the need to be the church. Church is not a place. Church is not a building. Church is a people. It's God's redeemed people gathered for His glory. And God calls us to be the church. But to be the church, you've got to be a member of the body. You've got to be a part of it. And so next Sunday, we're going to have a new members class. We call it Discovering Hope. And if you are a person who believes that God has called you to be a member of this family of faith, When you haven't already signed up, you need to email us. Go to the website. Email uh, me, one of the pastors, someone. Just say, hey, I'm ready to sign up to be a part of this. Or go to the uh, Guest Connect this morning. Just give them your name, some contact information. We'll get you signed up. Because I'm going to tell you something. God is at work. And God has chosen to be at work through His church. And, And one of the powerful ways in which we experience transformation is through what God is doing in His church. He is at work in our lives, and God is doing a miracle. God is doing a miracle in the life of His people that He has redeemed by His grace. Again, there is a power that takes place. There's a power that happens in our lives when we look to Christ and we are forgiven. And as that new life, as that new heart, as that spiritual life begins to be lived out, God begins something, and He's going to finish it. What God has begun, He is going to carry it on to completion. And He calls us to be a part of what He is doing. It says in Philippians 1, 6, look at this promise. I'm sure of this. I'm sure of this. That He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. There will come a day when we will no longer have to battle sin. There will come a day when, when, when we are finally and fully like Christ. But in this life, as we go through life, God is going to transform us. He is going to conform us to the image of His Son so that He can bless us. You know God doesn't bless sin. And so what He wants to do is to remove sin from our life so that we are blessable. The way He does that is by setting us free to pursue and recover God's design. I think one of the best ways to explain this and to understand this are the three circles. I'm going to continue to show this to you because I believe this is one of the best ways you can share the gospel with those who don't know and the way you can experience the gospel. So let me encourage you, get a pen and and draw three circles. And, And then inside of the circles, one put God's design, and another one put brokenness, and then the third one put gospel. And here's what we need to understand. God's design, God designed us to be in harmony with Him. And when you have harmony with God, peace with God, shalom with God, you have peace within, you have shalom. And that peace within enables you to have peace with others. And that's how God designed us to live. 
But that's not how we live. Not by nature. Why? Because of sin. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what is the consequences of sin? Death, pain, and punishment. Brokenness. Why do we have a broken relationship with God since birth? Why do we, why do we struggle? Why are, why are relationships so hard to maintain without conflict and brokenness and pain? Why, why, why is it that we feel this emptiness in our lives? I'll tell you why. It's because of sin. Sin destroys our relationship with God, which destroys our relationship with Him and leaves us empty, which destroys our relationships with others, which creates pain and suffering. And that's not God's design. So God, in His grace, He didn't abandon us in our sin. Instead, what did He do? He came to rescue us. And that's the Gospel. The Gospel is the good news that God became flesh, that He lived among us, that He died to pay for our sin, that He has been raised. And now because of the power of God. And what is this power? He overcomes the punishment of sin in the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, He took the punishment for our sin. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the good news. And when we, notice this, repent and believe, we're saved. When we turn away from a life that is separated from God, when we turn away from our sin and believe that Jesus is God, that Jesus came and lived a holy life, that Jesus died for our sins, and now there is power over sin because of His resurrection. Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. You know what that power is? It's the power of new life. It's the power that can overcome death and sin and pain. And that power is at work in those who repent and believe. You know what it does? It sets us free. It sets us free to recover and pursue God's design. And this recovery, this recovering and pursuing, this is the transformational process. When you're saved, it's immediate. It happens in the moment you repent and believe. Your sin is forever pardoned. You're given a new heart, a new life in Christ. He lives in you. You are eternally a child of God. But that's not the end. That's the beginning. It's the beginning to pursue God's design. It's something we have to recover. It's something we have to pursue. Now, I don't know about you, but the way I want it to work is not the way transformation works. You know how I want transformation to work? I want it to be immediate. I want to, I want to say I want it, and I say I want it to happen. So here's what I want it to be like. I want Jesus' blood to come into me, and I want it just to happen that quick. I just want to add a little Jesus, stir it up, and voila, perfect pettis, Right? That's what I want, and I know all the people who are near me want this too, right? A perfect pettis. That's not how it happens, is it? You know, transformation, understand, transformation is more like weight loss. It doesn't happen overnight. Week one, week 16, and this is for a person who's been yelled at for hours, Right? This is a person who's been starved. This is a person who does not eat M&M's. And I don't know if that's a sin or not, but we can talk about that. You know, truth be told, truth be told, I know some of you are not going to believe this. I probably need to lose about 15 pounds. I know, it's hard to imagine. But I do. But there's a problem. 
I really like M&M's. I mean, I love them. Let's be honest. I love them. And you know what? If I want to lose 15 pounds, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to stop eating M&M's three times a day. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Because there's got to be a change. But I love them. I love them. I love the plain ones. I love the ones with peanuts in them. I love the ones with almonds in them. I love the new Shrek-sized ones. Have you seen those? I like the ones with pretzels in them. I like the ones with peanut butter in them. I like the ones they make in France. And I like the ones they make in China. I've yet to find an M&M I don't love. But if I'm going to be transformed, and if I'm going to be, I'm going to have to do something about that. You know what? Reality is, all of us, our flesh loves sin. But if we want to be transformed into the image of Christ, you know what we got to do? We've got to get rid of it. You say, but I, I love it. It makes me feel good. Listen, I know, I know what your flesh wants. We all want it. We all have this challenge in us. We believe, and, and those of you who are Christians, you believe, but there's still this, this longing, this this flesh that craves the things of this world, but God is at work. And God wants us to be conformed to the image of His Son. Why? So that He can bless us. God doesn't bless sin. So what He wants to do is He wants to transform us. He wants to give us a new life. He wants this life to be lived out. He wants us to pursue and recover God's design. Now to do that, we need something big. We need something powerful. We need something that will inspire and motivate and enable us to press on. You know what that is? It's hope. It's hope. There are a lot of people just just a few short weeks ago who made some commitments about their physical health this year. And some put a picture on their mirror or put a little quote on their mirror. Uh, some of them bought an exercise machine. Some joined an exercise club. Some bought exercise clothing that was a little tight. And they thought, I'm going to fit into this and I'm going to look like this and I'm going to do that. And a couple of weeks went by and they started and they were working. But then suddenly they didn't, maybe didn't see the results. Or maybe the, the desire for something else became so strong, they took that picture they put on that mirror, that saying they put, they crumpled up and they threw it away. That exercise machine now is used to hold clothing, right? There, there, there's that gym membership is going unused. Those exercise clothes have been given away. Why? Because of a loss of hope. God gives us hope to believe. God gives us the hope to believe that He is at work in the world and we can join Him. And when we join Him in the work God is doing, and what is God doing? He's conforming us to the image of His Son. He is setting us free from the influence and the power of sin so that He can bless us and so that we can know the life that, that He designed for us to have. This is God's desire for us. And, and when we hope in that and we believe that, we will pursue that and we will see God 
do miracles. In our text today, in our text, we see God speaking of this hope. We see the fact that this truth that, that, that fills us with this hope and inspires us to believe and pursue. And, and that's what I want us to look at today. So if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to ask Noah Edmondson to come and read for us. Noah's a senior in high school. He teaches in our middle school ministry. Noah, are the middle schoolers left unkept right now? They're with the high school right now. All right, now, praise so. God. Good. You know, I like it when yeah. Noah's with the middle schoolers. Look at the size of this guy, right? He helps. He blesses our middle school. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And Noah's going to read our text. Again, First John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Noah, go ahead and read that for us. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Word of God. Thank you, Noah. Appreciate it. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Let me encourage you to take some note as we, as we talk about this truth. This, this truth that gives hope. Friends, the truth will set you free. And, and in this freedom, you can pursue God's plan which is to conform you to the image of His Son so that He can bless your life, so that you can live with His peace and His joy. You can have peace with God, peace within, peace with others. But, but you need the truth. And so take note of what this truth is and how it works. Write it down. The truth is the light. The truth is the light that transforms a disciple of Jesus what is this light? Look in verse 5 of 1 John chapter 1. This is the message that we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in Him is no darkness at all. You know, light is a powerful thing. The light does many things. There's two great things that, that light does that I want you to be familiar with and be mindful of. First of all, it reveals reality. And secondly, it removes darkness. First of all, it reveals reality. You know what the light does? It shines so that you can see what's really going on. I remember I was being a smart aleck to my mom once. It was at night and I hadn't cleaned my room. And she came in and she said, Jason, this room is a wreck. I said, don't worry, mom, just turn the light off. You won't see it. Now, did that change the condition of the room? No. What does light do? When there is light, it reveals reality. So what does the light of God reveal? It reveals a, a very stunning reality. It re- reveals that, that God is holy and that we are sinful. It reveals that, that God is loving and that we by nature are selfish. It reveals that God is gracious and we by nature are proud. It reveals that God is all-powerful and, and, and we by nature are weak. But by His grace and for His glory, when we repent and believe, What does God do? He makes us holy. When we repent and believe the gospel, He fills us with His love. So that we don't just love other people in our our flesh and the way we can love. We love the way God loves. The way He loved us with forgiveness. We give grace the same way God gave grace. And then we have the power of God. We are given the power of God to live in this light and to see Him remove the darkness. And that's the second thing it does. It removes the darkness. God has the power to remove the darkness so that, so that you can see who He is. This is what the Gospel does. 
When God redeems a life, He doesn't just forgive us of sin. That is certainly what He did when He died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sin. But friends, Jesus did more than that. He conquered, he conquered death. He has been raised. And the power of the resurrection is now at work in our life. And so this light removes the darkness. And the more time you spend in the Word of God, which is the light to our feet, the more you spend time with God in prayer, in His presence, as you gather every Sunday with the church family to praise the name of a holy God, to be encouraged in the reality of our holy God, and as we see His holiness and His love and His mercy, the darkness will flee. Some of you, you feel at times overwhelmed by the darkness. Why? Because you're not in the light. Because you're, you're not... You're not filling every crevice and corner of your life with the light of God and the presence of Jesus. And when Jesus is in that light, it's not just a supernatural change. Many times it's a change that you become aware of and the Spirit of God enables you. And then you begin to work with God. You join God in what He's doing. And what is He doing? He's conforming you to the image of His Son so that you can recover God's design so that He can bless your life. The, the, the truth is, the truth is this transforming power. It is the light. Second thing, write it down. The truth is the way of life that tr- transforms a disciple of Jesus. Remember, transformation is a process. So look what it says in verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. A Christian is a redeemed sinner set free from the punishment and power of sin and free to pursue and recover God's design. This freedom to pursue and recover God's design is the way of life that Christ gives to all who believe. It's not easy. The world we live in is constantly calling us away from God. Even our own flesh calls us away from God. We desire what what is sinful because we were born with a sin nature. And even though God gives us a new nature at salvation, there's still the longing of the flesh. And so we're always, listen, as long as you're alive, you're going to be doing battle against sin or you're just simply going to fall into sin and you're going to miss God's blessing. God calls us at salvation to fight against sin. And the first way you, you know to fight is you recognize there is an enemy and you recognize the need to fight. I'll never forget over 10 years ago, sitting in a doctoral class with a man who had done ministry for more years than I'd been alive. It's a man who had ministered with Billy Graham and Bill Bright and other men of great faith. And this was a man who stood in my mind is one of the great heroes of the faith. And our professor, recognizing him there, asked him to open our course in prayer. This man was in his 80s at the time. And I will never forget how he began his opening, his prayer, the way he opened it began. And he said, Lord God, please don't let me be a dirty, old man. I can't remember another thing he prayed. I was so shocked with what I had just heard. Because I thought to myself, 
This is a man of God. He's forgotten more about Jesus than I know. He's seen more battles and conquered more darkness than than I can even imagine. And here he's praying this. And and after he said amen, I think the professor looked at the class and we all kind of had that, you know, kind of confused look like, "What what what did he just pray? And so he said, brother, could you please help us understand your, the beginning of your prayer? And he said, boys, I know I'm in my 80s. And I know I look harmless. But the reality is, as long as you're alive, you're going to have a tendency to fall into sin. You're going to be tempted to sin. And he reminded us in that moment that this is a battle that we've got to fight. We've got to see what's going on. There is sin that wants to rob you of your marriage, wants to rob you of your confidence, wants to rob you of friendships, wants to rob you of the life God wants to bless you with. God wants this for you. And and to say that, that you're a Christian, that means that you're willing to struggle and fight against sin. It doesn't mean that you're going to, from this point on, have this easy life. Let me tell you what it, what it does mean also. It means that you will not rest satisfied or comfortable in sin. And if you can live in sin, if you can day in, day out, ignore God and live happily in sin, you have every reason to be concerned as to whether or not you're a child of light. Because a child of light hates darkness. Doesn't mean you're not going to be troubled by darkness. Doesn't mean that darkness isn't going to come against you. Doesn't mean that you're not going to be tempted with darkness. But as a child of light, you're going to love the light and hate the darkness and you're going to desire light and you're going to fight against you're going to fight against that darkness. And the way you fight against it is not as in your own flesh. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when you are alive to God and the Spirit of God is in you, there's a fruitfulness. There's a fruit that is produced. You know this verse. You know verses uh, 22 and 23, but do you know verse 24? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now look at this. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See what that means? There is a sin desire in your flesh. And those who are alive to God, those who belong to Christ Jesus, what have we done? We've crucified it. What have we done? We've killed it. We kill it. Friends, sin wants to destroy you. Stop toying with it. Sin, it always, it always costs you more than you wanted to pay, takes you further than you wanted to go, and gives you far less than it ever promised. In the process, it robs you blind. So kill it. Kill it. Remember what John Owen said. Don't ever forget this. Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. Friends, let that haunt you. Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. It will kill.
kill your confidence. It will kill your peace. It will kill your joy. It will kill your marriage. It will kill your family. It will kill your friendships. It will kill your reputation. Stop toying with it. Kill it. Kill it. Say, how do I do that? How do I stand against this draw, this this desire? Remember this, 2 Timothy 1.7. Remember this. God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God has given you the power to kill it. God gives you the power to see, see it for what it is as you are living in the Word of God, as you're living in prayer, as you're living in fellowship of the church. You're reminded of the, of the death of sin and the life of Christ, and you hate it and you kill it. Remember, this is a way of life. And it's a way of life that transforms. Write it down. The truth is, the basis of fellowship that transforms a disciple of Jesus. Look what makes us what we are. It says in verse 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. What makes us God's people is not that we all look alike or think alike or have the same background or the same stuff or the same education. You know what makes us one in... What makes us unified is Jesus. The thing that all of us who are members of this church have in common is that we recognize that we were born with sin, that we were broken, and we have repented and believed in the gospel. And now we are free to pursue and recover God's design. That's what unifies us. What creates disunity? When a person says, I don't want to pursue and recover God's design. I don't want to live for Jesus. I want to do what I want my what my flesh wants me to do. What's comfortable, what what is easy. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the opposite is true. If we walk in sin, if we walk in darkness, it will destroy not only our fellowship with God, not only our peace within, but our relationships as well. God has called us to be free. And, and, the, and the truth is that the basis of fellowship that transforms a disciple of Jesus is Jesus. And so as we fellowship with Him, as we hate sin and pursue Christ, it will, it will join us with Him and His people, and it will create such a fellowship of faith, such a beautiful picture of God's grace. Last, the truth is the good news that transforms a, a disciple of Jesus what is the good news? Verse, the last part of verse 7, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. It is, it, is through, it is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we go from being dead to alive, from going being sinful to holy, to, to going from, from, from being a child of wrath to a child of grace, to being a, a person who's on their own to a person who's filled with the power of God. Do you believe? Is that your hope? Write this down. Remember this. The truth gives a disciple of Jesus the hope needed to join God in His transformation plan that enables us to pursue and recover God's design for our lives. If you don't have the truth, if you don't have Jesus, if you don't have the light, if you don't have salvation, if you do not have this power that has overcome sin and death, you have no hope. And if you have no hope, you have no way to pursue God's design. 
And if you don't pursue God's design, you won't have God's blessing. You will never have peace with God. You will never have peace within. You will never have peace with others. You will have brokenness, constant brokenness and pain. Friends, look to Christ. Some of you this morning, you need to come and get on your knees and repent and believe the gospel for the first time. You need to come and say, Lord, I want to give you my life. I want your blessing. I want this life right now. Begin in me this transformation process. Now, what about you who are the redeemed in Christ? I often struggle whether or not to push this hard. But I am. What sin, what sin are you allowing to reside in your life? And don't look at me like you don't. What is it that you continue to play with? It's going to kill you. It's going to kill your marriage. It's going to kill your reputation. It's going to kill your family. It's going to kill your friendships. Friend, I'm begging you. Kill it. Say, how do I kill it? It keeps coming back. It, it keeps drawing me. I know. I know. It's what darkness does. It just keeps coming back. How do you kill it? Starve it. Don't feed it. Don't give it another second of your thought. Don't give yourself access to it. Starve it out. And then stab it with truth. Call it what it is. Call it death. Call it embarrassment and shame and punishment and pain. Call it what it is. Put light on it. Some of you, this is going to scare you to death, but this is the best thing some of you could possibly do with your life right now. Find someone of the same gender that you can trust and confess to them your sin and put light on it. And just say, I'm, I'm embarrassed and I'm, I, I'm broken this is my sin. I confess it to you. Pray with me. Forgive me and pray with me that God would, would, through His Spirit, overcome this sin. I'm going to tell you something. When you put light on that sin, when you put light on darkness, you know what that darkness does? Flees. And this morning, I want to ask for you, I want to invite you to come get on your knees and ask God to give you the courage to kill that sin. To join God in what He's doing and ask Him to give you the hope to believe that He's going to transform your life and your marriage and your relationships and your future and that He is going to keep every promise that He has ever given in His Word. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, it's so easy to, to just play games and what Satan really wants and what our flesh really wants to do right now is just kind of laugh this one off and just kind of put it off and just say, no, not, not today. I don't, I, you know, I just, I got a lot going on. I can't get serious about God today. I can't, can't take this seriously today. I got, I got to worry about other things. Lord, I pray right now your people are getting serious. I pray for some that do not know you right now. They're getting serious and they're going to come get on their knees right now and repent and believe. 
admit that they've sinned, believe that Christ died to pay for it, and then confess that you are their hope, their life, their salvation. God, I know there's some in this room, they need a miracle. They need a miracle in their life, or they need a miracle in the life of their spouse, or a miracle in the life of their child, or a miracle in the life of a friend or a parent. Lord God, I pray that as they come in faith right now, you would give them the confidence and the hope to believe that you are an all-powerful God who loves and will do this miracle they ask of you now. In Jesus' name, amen.